Thank you, Paul. So we're going to take a little bit of time just to reflect upon uh, those words that are chapter 2, 1 to 20, not what it says on the screen. I've made lots of mistakes on the things that have been on the screen in the last couple of weeks that have been held over from previous weeks. But before we think about God's word, let's come and pray that he might help us to understand and rejoice in what he has given to us. Our Lord, all of your word is good, uh, but we thank you that the living word came to us, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory, glory as of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, may we, as we see something of his his birth, may we be reminded of the, the new birth, the second birth that he offers to each one of us through the salvation he came to bring. Help us by your spirit to see, know, and to appreciate all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, there's not actually too many kids here. Kids, who got the best Christmas present this morning? I need to know. Oh, Big kids are allowed to get in too, don't we? You were? Oh, what was it, I should say? Not just who, I'm not going to say who got it. What big presents did you, oh, don't have to be big. What great presents did you get? A truck. Oh, we got any advances on a truck? A SIM card. <laughs> Obviously, my kids haven't chimed in. Sorry? They're being shy. My kids always say shy. Oh, she got a wiggle cart. Well, they're all good gifts. I'm not going to pick a winner because it's a little bit subjective, isn't it? Not everyone necessarily wants a truck. Not everyone necessarily wants a SIM card, especially if they've already got one. But imagine if there was... A perfect gift for everyone. And by a perfect gift for everyone, I don't mean a box of Cadbury favourites. Because believe it or not, there are some people who don't even like chocolate. I remember there was someone I met at East Guard, I don't know if there's still, it might have been Fran, who didn't like chocolate at all. Any, anyone else who just broadly doesn't like chocolate? Wants to confess that now? No? Okay, Cad, okay Cadbury favourites, fine for everyone in this room. Because if there was a perfect gift for everyone, the blokes would be like, Ripper, I don't need to think about it. But I guarantee that there is a perfect gift and that this perfect gift is probably better than any of you can fully appreciate and imagine. And the good news is it's one that's available to anyone. And if you haven't already got it, you could have it again this very day. In the birth of Jesus came that perfect gift. A gift better than any of us can fully imagine and appreciate. As we think through these 20 verses, we're going to look at a better saviour, a better headline, and also a better response. Starting with a better saviour. Now Luke, who's recording these events, he's a details guy. You see that in the opening chapters, how he says how he's sought all of the eyewitnesses, he's compiled all of these things so the guy he's writing to may have certainty concerning the things which have transpired. 
But the opening verse of this second chapter is more than just Luke being a details guy. The very first verse of chapter 2 says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And on a casual reading you can go, oh yeah, this helps us place it, the time in history when these things took place. But there's actually more things that get communicated there. Gaius Octavius, here referred to as Caesar Augustus, was the first emperor of the entire Roman Empire. And he was the first Caesar to bear the name of Augustus. And this name Augustus means to be revered or to be holy. Up until this point in time, this term Augustus, the Romans had only ever applied to their gods, never to a person. So here is this guy taking a title, almost claiming to be a god. And not only that, there's an ancient inscription where people referred to Caesar Augustus as the saviour of the world. So it's an interesting setting, isn't it? During the days when somebody was claiming to be God, the people were heralding to be the saviour of the world. In those days, the true God, the true saviour of the world came to us. And one of the first things that he does, as the first emperor of the known inhabited world, he wants to let everyone know how wonderful he is. And he calls a census to have everybody registered. Not only so it would show how great and powerful he was, that he would get all of the glory, but there's also some other bonuses. He wants to be able to tax everybody within the empire. But one of the conditions of that was that everybody needed to go back to their ancestral home. Now, for Mary and Joseph, they lived in Nazareth. But the place they needed to go to be registered as a result of this was Bethlehem, some 120 kilometres away. Now, before an age of cars, I can't imagine there's too many heavily pregnant women who are that keen on a 120-kilometre journey to go there, top right hand from Nazareth down to, down to Bethlehem. But that's what they did. But Caesar Augustus, this self-proclaimed God, little did he know that in his attempt to do something for his own glory, he was actually fulfilling the prophecies and purposes of God that this child, the Son of God, would be born in Bethlehem. Because some 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah says, But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, who are too little to be amongst the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So Micah speaks of this ruler who's coming, and not just any old ruler, but one whose coming is from ancient of days, one who has been from the beginning. This is God come to us. And how was it that he turned out to be born in Bethlehem? By a decree by a wicked emperor who says, you need to be registered, you need to go back to your place of your ancestral home. So there you go. Not all government-imposed restrictions on where you can move and go are necessarily bad. 
on this occasion. While Caesar Augustus calls a census to be, for people to be taxed for the display of his glory, he paved the way for the birth of Jesus Christ, the fulfilment of prophecy for the display of his glory. Whom John says, of the word who was God, he became flesh, he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But think about it. This, this king, the most important king that has ever been on this earth, the one who is not just ruler over the Roman Empire, but over absolutely everything, the one who is perfect in everything that he is and everything that he does, yet his birth doesn't come with any of the grandeur or fanfare that you might expect for someone like this. Well, a man named Augustus tries to make himself a god. God makes himself as human flesh into this world, born into a family of poor, insignificant people, Joseph and Mary, and when he is born, laid in a food trough amongst all of the animals. This is the greatest king, the God-man, Jesus Christ. If he had a PR manager, I'm sure they would have arranged all sorts of things. But he didn't come for the elite few. He came for those who are humble. He came for those who know they are broken. To serve, to rescue, to restore and save a people back to God. There's no better king and saviour, but there's more to the story than that. There's a better headline. So in verses 8 to 14, we're introduced to some shepherds. Now, as much as we kind of might think quite highly of shepherds, first century Jews, shepherds were pretty much the bottom of the rung. The only people that Jews at that time considered lower than shepherds were lepers. Shepherds were considered, considered to be really dirty and unclean because of the work in which they'd done. Yet to these shepherds, who as far as they're aware are just doing an ordinary everyday night shift, oblivious of the fact that the Saviour has been born not far from them, well, at least it was an ordinary night shift until this took place. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Now my wife Sarah is a nurse. She often does night shifts. She's doing one tonight as it turns out. And there's probably a number of other people here who either presently or at some point have done night shift in a particular workplace. And they can confess, when you're working a night shift, you tend not to be at your peak. You're not at your mental sharpness that you've ever experienced in your life. But I reckon, as an angel of the Lord appeared to them, as well as the glory of the Lord shining all around them, I reckon that would have got their attention. That would have woken them up. I reckon they probably would have been 
about as sharp as they could be. You know, sometimes when you've got something important to say, before you say it, you, you make sure you've got someone's attention, like, Kimu, look at me, Kimu, or whatever it may be. Well, he's got their attention. In fact, it says they were filled with great fear. But the angel hadn't come to bring a message of fear. The angel had come to bring a message of great joy. So let's focus in a little bit on what that message was that needed such full attention. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in this day, the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Why does he want their attention? He says, I've got good news. You need to hear this good news. And let's be honest, there's been a bit of a, a lack of good news in 2021. So it's great to hear that there's some good news. It's not just for back in the first century. It's good news for us also today. But sometimes when you hear that there's good news, some of us pessimistic people might think, ah, oh, yeah, I bet that's not for me. I bet that's for, for somebody else. But it says this good news is for all people. And for all the people, this good news, it says, will bring great joy. That's not bad, is it? Good news for everyone. The result is great joy. So what is this news? Well, the content is this. Unto you, or other words, for your benefit... A saviour has been born. That's a pretty good summary of the true joy of the Christmas message. Why it's important that Jesus, the Son of God, came to us. As we read through some of Paul's writings to the church in Rome, he says, everybody deep down has an understanding that there is a God of eternal power. He says, God has plainly made that known to all of his creation. Shall we try and suppress it? Some people try to hide it. But there's this recognition there is a God of eternal power and there's even a conviction somewhere deep within every one of us that something needs to be done to restore us back to that God. You look around the world, there's all these different religions, people trying to do things that would make them back right with God whether it be by being good enough, doing certain rituals, certain things, certain sacrifices, all in the hope that maybe I've done enough to get myself right with this God. Then when you speak with these people, say, when you die, will you go to be with God? Usually the sad response is, they say, I hope so. I hope I've been able to do enough. But the truth is that God has spoken. In the Bible, he says, it is impossible by human efforts to please God. It cannot be done by human effort. So the good news of Jesus' birth is that a saviour has been born. That someone who's going to do the saving work for you that you cannot do yourself. As when the angel came to Joseph to tell him that Mary's going to have this child, says, you're going to call him Jesus because he will save a people from their sins. 
And to the shepherds, the angel says, this saviour is Christ the Lord. As in, this saviour is the same God whom you've offended, whom you need to be reconciled to. You can't do anything about it. He can and he has come to you. The good news of great joy is that unto you, for your benefit, he has come for you to bring you back to God. As the prophet Isaiah put it, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He came to us, he came for us, that what we couldn't do to bring us back to God, he could do. By paying the price of the thing that separates us from God, which is our rebellion against him, Jesus came to take that punishment upon himself upon the cross and rose again in victory on the third day. It's the best news anyone could hear and it's the best news for all people. But just because a gift exists doesn't make it a good gift. It's not really beneficial just knowing that a gift is there if you don't receive it. We're going to unpack that a little bit more tomorrow, but first we're going to look at the response of the shepherds. It's a better response. The shepherds who had heard this message, they left immediately. They didn't just start Googling and think, oh, where can we hire some temporary shepherds to look after these sheep? This message they've heard, a saviour has been born, they had to go. They had to go check this out to see if it was true. They were told, go, you'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. So off they go. And they find everything exactly as the angel told them it would be. And in verse 20 it says, When they returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Every single thing the angel told them. They went to check it out. They saw it with their own eyes. They knew the Saviour indeed had been born. They rejoiced, glorifying and praising God for what he has done. When you hear the good news, are you like the shepherds who think, I need to check this out? I need to investigate this. If there's a claim that a saviour has been come, which is good news for everyone, then I need to know about this. Maybe God's already been working in you this morning and you think, yeah, this, this is exactly what I know I need and I want to come and place my trust in him. Then speak to someone you know who's here because I notice everyone who's here is here with someone they know. To speak more about that. Or maybe you think, yeah, I want to check this more out. I've heard these claims. Then we'd love to give you a copy of a Bible. Have a look for yourself. Have a look to see what Jesus Christ has said about himself, what he's done for us. My Christmas wish is that the gospel would spread across this nation. That instead of seeing statistics of where Omicron's going around the nation, that we would see people coming to place their trust in Christ. Unlike Omicron, which they say has a mild negative impact, 
that there would be a great, massive transformation of people as Jesus called a people to himself, reconciles them back to their creator to become more and more like Jesus Christ himself. As people are changed from death to life, from darkness to light, from glory to glory, that we can say, along with the angel's words in verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In other words, all praise and glory to God for what he has done. And peace and joy for all those who have received what he has given to us in Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that that not only have you given us an awareness that there is a God to whom we need to be reconciled to, but you have provided the way the very one whom we offended was the one who brought joy to act to bring about that reconciliation. That all who might turn from trusting in themselves to trusting in Jesus might know forgiveness, peace, joy, reconciliation, might be called sons of God, co-heirs with Christ himself. Uh, Lord, we thank you that what you have done for us in Christ. We thank you that the good news is not just that he was born, but that he was born to die, to die a death on our behalf. And we give you thanks, we give you praise, for in you alone is our hope, joy, peace and salvation. Amen.